Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 41 of Someone Who Isn't Me. My guest on this one is the incredible Californian singer-songwriter Chelsea Wolfe, who you should know for her solo work, but also for um, work with Mrs. Piss and also the recent collaboration with Converge on the Blood Moon Project, both live shows and the forthcoming album, all of which are things that we talk about on this episode. I should point out that Chelsea was very cool in that um, we had the conversation for an episode of Swim, I guess, like a little while ago. It had been on the cards for several years, actually, but we'd never been able to kind of line it up. And I'd always wanted to do episodes in person. But then, you know what, there was this global pandemic, which was kind of weird. And uh, I then started doing episodes over the Internet and getting people to record their audio and then send it to me anyway. Once I'd got into the habit of doing that, uh, I said to Chelsea, we should really do this episode that we've been talking about for a long time. So we did the episode and it was a fantastic conversation. We spoke for about, I guess, for about an hour and a half about all aspects of her music and creative process and all the different projects she was working on. And then she sent me the audio and then I fucked up royally and lost my audio somehow. I mean, not somehow, I just binned it like a twit. So I was left with this kind of problem of I had her talking and replying to all the questions I'd asked during the conversation, but I didn't have me asking the questions. I did think about re-recording my questions and then kind of cutting them in, which A, would have been a huge ball ache and B, would have been super weird and a bit disingenuous. But the thing is, I do know that often when I do an episode of my radio show and I record an interview, um, we generally use just the audio and occasionally my reactions to the questions from the guest. And then at the start of each segment, I would kind of reframe the question and ask it again. And then we play out the audio. And I thought, well, I could do that. A little bit weird, maybe for a podcast, especially for like an hour and a half. But we could make it work. I could even pretend that it hadn't happened and maybe people would never have known. But I would have felt like a fraud because that's the kind of person I am where I overthink and stress about every little detail of everything. So, yeah, Uh, when I told her that I'd lost the audio, I groveled and she was like, what are you on about? It doesn't matter. We'll just do it again next week. So this episode, episode 41 that you're about to listen to, is the second conversation we had. That in itself had a few weird challenges for me and my uh, hang-ups in that even though Chelsea is an artist that does countless numbers of interviews and has probably answered the same questions day in, day out for the last 
20 years. Not true. Probably uh, 11 years. Debut album was 2010, wasn't it? Anyway, uh, but I still felt kind of weird about it when I was asking a question or trying to get into a segment of a conversation where I was fully aware that we'd already had that conversation and I kind of knew the answer already. But um, you didn't, so it had to be done, even though I felt weird about it. Another interesting uh, thing about this is towards the very end of the podcast, you might hear that I start freaking out somewhat because because I realize that the um, device that I record these on was counting down, telling me how much space left I had on the hard drive, how many minutes left. And as we got into that like final five minutes of space, that was all I could think about. So even though we could have then carried on that conversation for another five minutes, I was literally watching it count down and uh, just in a turmoil. Just great. Brilliant. It's weird, isn't it? To be fair, uh, I think this is, I'd like to put it down to the fact that there's been the global pandemic for the last two years. And that's why uh, I'm so spun out about little things like that. But it's probably not. It's probably just because that's who I am and I can't help it. An interesting thing, speaking of which, is that um, the day that this is going online, which is November the 15th, 2021, is the day after Chelsea's birthday and the day before my birthday. So I figured slap bang in the middle, that would work out quite nicely. However, the flip side of that is with every passing birthday... I start thinking about mortality, especially at the moment. I don't know why. Again, I think it's everything that's been happening. Um, So I've been thinking about that quite a lot. At the same time of thinking about that a lot, I've also realized that, I mean, as it's quite an abstract thing to think about, I feel quite all right about it, weirdly. Um, Like, I have been thinking about it a lot. This isn't like a cry for help, for the record. I'm just saying that as you get older, um, you start thinking about things like that a bit. It's also the three-year anniversary of my mum passing away today, so that's probably, uh, yeah, kind of a weird one. So that's cheery. So this episode is one that I really enjoyed doing. Um, I've said it many times on the radio whenever I've played her music, but Chelsea's one of my favourite singers. I think her work is very magical and I think that that is with all great art you know that's that's if you're a regular listener to the podcast you will know that that is one thing that I consider intrinsic to all great art and it's something that I always like to talk about but with her work like many others of my favorite artists that current that magical current and that energy is very palpable and near the surface I think. Again, if you don't know her work, you should check it out, all of it. It's fantastic, truly incredible and beautiful. Episode number 41, Someone Who Isn't Me, Chelsea Wolfe. Enjoy. Um, Firstly, I'm so sorry that uh, we're having to do this again. No worries. Seriously, I I understand. Stuff like that happens. I mean, most people would probably blame the Mercury retrograde shit, so yeah. we can just blame that. Yeah, okay. I'll use that as my excuse. I think a fresh conversation will be cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally down, so. Yeah, I just feel like if 
um, we kind of go over some of the same things, it, it might be a bit, <clears throat> you know, kind of weird, but whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what we talked about. So, in any case, perfect. It's a whole new conversation. <laughs> <laughs> perfect then. Yeah. Um, where should we start? Um, I think we finished up talking about Blood Moon. Mm. Um, so maybe should we start with that now? Sure. Because now there's like um, there's a song out. Know, now there's, yeah. Um, Ben just sent me the record actually. Actually, I haven't had a chance to listen to all of it yet, unfortunately. But yeah, I remember the the London show, and you did Roadburn and one other, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, we did. I think we did like five shows. We played Berlin, oh, okay. and France, and London. Maybe it was four shows, but okay. yeah, we played a couple more than those. Those cool. two. Yeah, because it, that was going to be everybody reinterpreting those Converge songs that sort of didn't really get a regular airing or needed a little more yeah. to them. Yeah, it was maybe maybe some of the more like softer or mellow songs brought to life in a new way. Yeah, and and those shows were incredible. Thanks, they were, they were fun. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was a good challenge for me. How so specifically? Well, I think at that point I had really just been focusing on my own project and was really used to being um sort of at the at the head of everything at the forefront organizing everything um so this was a a chance to step into just being like a player in the band and um you know sometimes just like a backup singer or doing some backup guitar and playing alongside kurt you know was intimidating as he's such a great guitar player but it was also inspiring and kind of needing to like step up to the plate a bit as a player and yeah I just think it was um good for me musically and just kind of nice to see how a different band operates and stuff yeah it must be weird to having as you said to having been um you know driving everything yourself and it to be very focused on your songs to suddenly stepping back well not stepping back but sort of stepping aside somewhat and and working on uh-huh. helping other people facilitate their yeah, sort of vision of things. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you'd done that? I mean, when when did you? When was the last time you'd played it sort of in a band environment that wasn't either this or or Mrs. Pierce? You mean at this point? Or yeah, is it? It must have been a minute, right? Yeah, because I mean, the last tour I did at the end of 2019 was the acoustic tour. Um, so I think it was in August of 2019 we got to play this great festival that the cure curated um in the los angeles area so at least there was that one show that year that was full band and you know holding on to that <laughs> until the next one yeah that was an amazing lineup for that thing yeah it was um, so fun but yeah I, I meant more so in in the sense of it not being your your project though and to be more of a band thing anyway but that that must have been quite a while that you'd oh, I see what you mean. done that yeah, I guess then Mrs. Piss, other than Blood Moon, um, you know, we did like a live sort of album playthrough uh, in my garage in, I think, December of 2020. So the end of last year that we still haven't released, but we'll put out at some point. Um, so that was that was cool. Um, relearning those Mrs. Piss songs and just playing them as the two of us, even though there's like a lot of other instrumentation going on. But um, yeah. How did that come about? Um, Mrs. Piss in general. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Jess and I, Jess and I have known each other for a really long time. She was one of the first people that I was ever in 
uh, bandwidth. Um, you know, I kind of experimented with having some people play along with my solo stuff here and there. But when uh, she joined up with me, we started a new band called Red Host. And yeah, it was a three piece and I was playing guitar. So it, it really taught me a lot about being a front person. And she was always pushing me to play lead parts and, you know, just... I don't know, push myself a bit more. And so I learned a lot in that project. And then, you know, we lost touch for a while. And then she started playing in my project in the Chelsea Wolf Band in around 2015. And yeah. I think it was just clear that like her and I's writing together wasn't over with, you know, like we've always written really easily together. And so we just kind of started writing these songs while we were out on tour and we would get back you know, for like a month or so and spend some time in a studio in Sacramento. And um, yeah, eventually just put the album together. Then we want to do another one that's a little more like focused. Like we go into the studio for a certain amount of time and make it because this one was really just like over, I don't know, maybe two years just whenever we had time because we were touring a ton Yeah, that time. But I yeah. don't, you can't tell that though. It doesn't feel like... Mm -hmm. um, like it has a focus to it, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it was just, you know, it, it feels that way to us because it was like so spread out. But yeah, yeah, a lot of those, a lot of the songs just happened just from stories on tour, you know, just being two women on tour together and experiencing things, you know, yeah, as women do out in the, in the man's world. But yeah, it was, it was, it was fun to have like someone to bounce all those stories off of and, and create songs from and. That became Mrs. Piss. Rad. I'm glad there's going to be more of that. Yeah, me too. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let's go back to, to Blood Moon as well. Because obviously, like, doing those shows and, and working on it with the intention of it being this, as we said, this sort of means of facilitating them to be able to play and reinterpret those songs to then it becoming a, this other thing entirely where where you're all writing together. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. The stuff that I've heard, like I said, I've not listened to the whole record yet, so I, I don't know, maybe it's not fair to, to sort of make any kind of snap judgment, but it doesn't, it doesn't sound like, um, I don't know. No, it's very much its own thing, clearly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it doesn't feel too much to me like the live shows that we did it doesn't feel like those interpretations it does feel like something very new mm. um i think i think the demo started getting exchanged pretty soon after we got back from 
playing those shows together and um, started getting more focused in like 2019. And yeah, there was obviously a lot of back and forth, uh, sending stuff back and forth because of the pandemic, but we eventually got to get together um, this last summer of this year with the intention of fixing, like finalizing the mixes together. Uh-huh. But once we were all, once we were all in the same room, we just had so many more ideas and we started adding more vocals and more guitar parts and really sort of tying all the songs together cohesively. And yeah, I, I th- there was just like this sense of joy when we were all together in a room. And mm. I think that really translated into putting the finishing touches on the record and making it something really unique and new for all of us yeah that rules i imagine as well that once everybody's in a room together like the whole dynamic for writing is so different obviously like Mm -hmm. it's it's trippy as we all know i when you're writing at home or writing for yourself you you know you always envisage everybody's um extra parts and what you'd like to happen and and then there's always other people um they'll take things in a totally different direction or add things that you you wouldn't have hoped to have happened which is amazing but yeah but it's still very different being in a room with people because there's a certain um there's like a, an electric energy that just instantly starts to happen yes. and obviously the communication factor is so much faster <laughs> you know yeah rather than yeah calling or emailing someone trying to explain an idea just being in the same room together and being able to play something for someone and just hash it out is so much quicker yeah but like you said there's I think it's more about, you know, great bands are always more of it than a sum of the parts, I think. And I think mm-hmm. that's um that's due to something that, that can I mean you can view it however you want, but it's more of a mystical thing, I think. Yeah. To a certain degree. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I thought you would be. You can tell <laughs> with your stuff. Yep. I mean, well, we dis we discussed it before, but um yeah, there's there's something so magical about your stuff. About what? I'm sorry. About your own material, ah, you know, okay. about your songs. I think there's something, um, yeah, magical about it. But then you, I think we probably discussed this on the lo- when we had the first conversation that um, that the creative process is a is a very magical one as well. And I think when you're making art with other people on any kind of collaborative level, I think yeah, something really special happens. Yeah, definitely. I mean. For me, I'm very big on energy and picking up on other people's energies and, you know, whether I like to or not, <laughs> I think I've done it a little bit more intentionally these days. But yeah, I think in the past, you know, I was, I was very much just like sensitive to a lot of things that I didn't understand and I was automatically channeling it into my music, whether it was the influence of, you know, my experiences with sleep paralysis and really vivid dreaming and sometimes lucid dreaming yeah or or whether it was you know experiences with other human beings during the day but yeah over the years I've I've learned to um understand some of this stuff in my own way and be able to channel it like I said a little bit more intentionally which yeah I think some of like I can hear you know, the different energy in some of my older music that is a little bit more like frantic and not that that's a bad thing, you know, it's just like where I was at. And now I think the the new songs that I'm writing, in my opinion, at least have more calmness to them. 
which is kind of nice for this <laughs> stage in my life because there wasn't a lot of <laughs> there wasn't always a lot of calmness within me uh, especially as a Scorpio there's a lot of like yeah. intensity bubbling up trying to get out at all times but yeah yeah uh, when I spoke to um like after we we did the conversation before I had one with Aaron from Wolves in the Throne Room oh cool and like yeah that. he's so lovely I don't know if you've met those I have a long nice, I, it's been a long time but yeah I love their music yeah I think that last record's phenomenal mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah we when we were talking he, he was saying as well that um, dream plays a really important part in his writing process and I think when I was thinking about that I, I thought that you know the whole idea of the artist as it, it sounds kind of very woo woo but whatever the, the whole idea of an artist as in this kind of shamanic way about getting things ideas or music or songs in a certain way and then kind of bringing them back out of out of that and i guess that's kind of what you were saying is that right in, in, in a, a sense. sense yeah yeah in a sense i i think there have definitely been experiences where writing a song was channeling something but that's not always mm. the case you know i think um specific songs have very much felt that way where suddenly out of nowhere I, I'm just drawn to sit down with my guitar and an entire song comes out and there is this feeling of like where did that come from and yeah then fr from there you start to sort of like understand it and it's almost like it's you know you're reading the lyrics for the first time and you're making sense of them even though they came out of you um yeah so that's really interesting of course I, you know I love when that happens it's mm. But I think more often than not, it's little sort of like one verse here and there that come to you and then piecing them together or, you know, just yeah, glimpses. Yeah. Or sitting down uh, to like try and, and write a new song. And so it's definitely different experiences. But when that happens, it's pretty magical. Yeah. It's nuts, isn't it? I think mm -hmm. the, the idea of, of kind of sitting there and listening back to something and then being like, huh. Yeah um definitely do you do you ever question that like uh, or i don't know thought about it where like what what it might be or where it's from or or is that just me overthinking everything <laughs> <laughs> i don't think yeah I, I haven't questioned it um too much i think you know sometimes it's been like when i wrote the song movie screen um that era of of time was definitely you know, during Apocalypsis era, it was definitely, there's a lot of this, like uh, Tracks was one that really just came to me in one go. Uh -huh. And then the song, the song Movie Screen, I, it was like one of the first times I had taken mushrooms yeah. and I was sitting in my friend's room who was a painter and her walls were just covered in her paintings and they were all moving and you know, coming towards me and all this amazing stuff. So mm. I, I wrote that in that setting. So there's, you know, experiences like that. It feels a little more obvious. Like I allowed my mind to be opened and the song came to me in that state. Yeah. And then, like I said, like I said, with tracks, it was a little bit more, I don't know, mystical for lack of a better word, because I just sat down and wrote that song in one go and, and was like, happy with it as it was i didn't need to like tweak it or anything or i didn't feel like i needed to mm. yeah i don't know i mean i think again being open to like the liminal realm 
I, which I think came to me from having sleep paralysis and waking up and still being half in my dreams and yeah. half in the real world. You know, I, I think I just came to sort of understand that state of being and naturally sort of went into that space when I was writing songs a lot. So it just sort of always made sense to me. And yeah, I guess I didn't question it too much. But isn't that a different way of doing it? Because I, I found that I'm sure I, I said to you that I've only ever had what I would consider to be sleep paralysis once. And that was after a, a very intentional uh, I guess sort of ritual practice before sleeping and then to be in that it, it's quite it can be pretty oppressive and quite scary although I found it that way I mean I guess it's, maybe it's not that way for everyone but I think if you're going into that space with the intention of being creative I guess it's different from like walking into that room rather than sort of finding yourself in it mm-hmm yeah, I mean, for a long time, I was just finding myself in it. And I had a lot of anxiety and didn't understand how to, I don't know what the right word is, just deal with <laughs> all of the openness that I had to that world and to everyone else's energies. And, you know, I was mm. I was living near downtown LA with, at the height of a lot of this. Yeah, And, you know, just people everywhere. And I felt like I couldn't I don't know. I, I felt like I was never just settled with my own energy. So maybe that was a good thing for songwriting because I did write mm. a ton during that time and yeah. just used, used all of that to create. But yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying about being in LA and it's almost, I think I used the analogy that somebody else had, had said to me about for that sort of creative process in somewhere like that is like there, there's a not a huge sort of bandwidth to to um yeah to be yourself i feel like there's a lot of it's almost like you're sitting in static because of mm. because of everybody else's thoughts and ideas and energy and especially especially in la i think mm -hmm. but definitely people there's just a lot of people trying to make things happen create things and yeah yeah um it's cool to look back at this point in my career and and see how where i was at where I was living, where I was staying at certain times affected different records. Like after, um, after I moved, I moved like an hour outside of LA up into the mountains and wrote, um, abyss. And for me, I can really hear the difference where I had all this quiet and this open space all of a sudden, and I really needed to like fill it with sound, you know? So the songs sort of got heavier and yeah. louder and more distorted and, and uh yeah i don't know and i spent some time in, in the desert during that time and and yeah I, th I feel like pain is beauty was very much my like chaotic la record <laughs> yeah because i mean all art is the sum of the person making it and the environment you're living in is gonna yeah have quite a profound effect in it it's kind of weird really i don't know i don't know if people have really thought about that so much in, in anything other than like an aesthetic sense do you know what I mean because there's always yeah. like scenes that come up in certain cities and and they always have their own um mm -hmm. certain sound and that can be because there's like a kind of flag bearer at the front of it all like a couple of bands that help influence other bands and and that kind of thing but it yeah it could be more uh, much more than that couldn't it like it could be almost like psychogeography and and the idea of the place itself being 
the reason that that scene exists and the bands sound that way. Yeah, definitely. I remember getting asked about that when I was younger and I didn't see it yet, you know, so, but now I can definitely see it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's quite nuts. When we were talking about um, the birth of violence, um, I guess that's one of the reasons why that really changed as far as, as the sound had gone and it become um, a lot more, I mean, not just acoustic, but it was it was a little more spacious and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, than 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 on Hispan and um, Abyss. Yeah, but yeah, I feel like I think I said that before that you always manage to balance those elements, though, in the sense that when you have those really kind of um, the more kind of grinding and heavier tracks, that there's you you balance it out with a very airy and sort of more um yeah the with your vocal and the way you work whereas i feel like on this one because it's it's very earthy mm-hmm. and those elements come through like vocally you've kind of balanced it out that way i think i was feeling a little more grounded at that point you know i had made the decision to take a little bit of time off of touring and to make the record birth of violence at home so that i could just be in one place for a while and sort of get in touch with this new place that I was living and you know like the the outdoor space around it so yeah I agree there's like a definitely like an earth element to it and a groundedness that I was starting to tap into at that point yeah I mean it's I mean you talk about it in the lyrics and the song titles I guess Mm -hmm. yeah that's true dirt universe yeah yeah it's cool it's cool the way these things kind of present themselves and then you kind of balance it out and work with them yeah i feel like yeah we may have talked about that last time how i can see i think you had brought brought it up but i can sort of see at this point too like how uh, different albums have different elements attached to them like pain is beauty was very fire abyss was more water and like you said birth of violence is more earth yeah so what what's happening with writing at the moment because i i guess there's been a lot of focus with with the blood moon stuff but mm-hmm. how and i know that you're doing well, you're doing a ton of different projects right as far as i understand it at this point but um, at this point not so much i think when we last spoke i felt like i'd had a ton of you know collaborations and stuff that were still going to be coming out or maybe had just come out mm. at this point i'm trying to sort of just focus on a few things like maybe i mentioned i i have been working on a film score with tyler bates and yeah. and my bandmate ben um for a horror movie so I've been working on that since earlier this year and you know I think that sort of had a bit of an influence on some of the blood moon stuff too like channeling yeah. channeling a bit of that horror movie sound um into some of my vocals but yeah at this point I'm I'm just sort of honing in the songs for my new record um I've been writing you know probably for almost two years at this point off and on with uh, the band with Jess and Brian and Ben and mm. we have you know a good number of songs and at this point just trying to figure out who to record with and oh yeah yeah I'm you know would like to do that soon as possible honestly just trying to fi- you know find the right studio the right producer we discussed um producers and stuff I think mm. how's that shaped up are you still are you still sort of in the process of finding someone yeah <laughs> yeah I've, it's like for me this record has a pretty specific sound that I maybe can't describe in words yet but I know 
what I want it to shape into. So I'm I'm really trying to find uh-huh. there's like a handful of people in my head that I feel like could really take this to the right place with me and so yeah I've been reaching out to some of those people and hoping it works out yeah who would be who would be your ideal collaboration I know that sounds like a cheesy question but I'm I am curious like as a producer or yeah yeah um well I'm a big fan of Catherine Marks um and BJ Burton who just did the new low uh-huh uh, record and the one before that as well which i just absolutely love you know the sound of i've always been a big fan of low as well i love d sardi's work i got to work with him on a song a few years back that hasn't come out but it was a really fun experience yeah so those are some of the people i would like to work with you know hopefully yeah. at some point yeah i'm really I, I i look forward to hearing where this record's going though me too <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm super I'm super anxious to get recording I don't know if it's if that's obvious enough but yeah I I feel like I've been working on these songs for so long and you know I just sort of sit down with them every day and and crack away at them and hone the lyrics and the melodies and stuff but I I feel like I'm at a point where like okay I need to stop and work with someone else on this stuff who hasn't been sitting with these songs for two years you know what I mean need some fresh perspective yeah because that's the thing isn't it It, because i feel that that it's it's so easy to get lost in those things or it is for me it's like painting it's Mm. you know at what point do you step away and go okay good i'm done yeah i think that i think it's finished but but i guess the worry is when you have something that's sat there and and i guess the 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 recording of a record and then it being released is is kind of the final say on it well actually that's not true because i i guess i mean we're talking about blood moon is a great example that that doesn't have to be that but but to a certain point once something's recording that there, there's a sort of finality to it isn't there but yeah i think if you if you sit with something for a long time you can start to pick at it and or, or that's how i'd be anyway yeah yeah and there's the problem of getting attached to your demos you know i think a lot of yeah it's a classic problem with with bands and I'm really trying to not do that this time like I'm trying to leave them a bit looser even though there's a lot of ideas on there already I'm I'm actively trying to not get attached to anything because I just want what's best for the song and not just what I'm used to you know yeah but I imagine you that you your demos are pretty um uh complete anyway yeah I I don't know I just I just feel like working with Ben especially um Mm -hmm. as well that I know that between the two of you you can you know the days of kind of some of the seven inches that I got when I was a kid that sounded like shit but were were perfect records (laughs) now the, the ability now to just make something sound so much better than some some of those early records just at home on a laptop is right that's another worry. I think you're right when you say that you can get too attached to demos, especially now that that's the, mm-hmm. you know, the option. Yeah. and it, But it's cool to, you know, maybe eventually release some of the demos because I do think that they have their own magic. But, mm. you know, like I said with Blood Moon, I, I saw how much happened when we were actually in the studio together. And it had been a while since I'd been in a proper studio 
with other bandmates because of the pandemic and because of doing birth of violence at home so yeah it really got me excited about the idea of being in a proper studio again and <laughs> that finality like you said <laughs> so yeah you i'm talking about how you know obviously like when those songs are played live they become they're v very much their own thing and they become different and i guess you can change them and rework them so it's not necessarily a full stop but um mm -hmm. yeah i wanted to ask you a bit about performance and and how that is for you is, do you have a very set I, i'm sure we probably spoke about this last time i'm terrible i can't remember anything but um the idea of of performing songs and getting into a space to do that um yeah can be quite a magical process in itself and i probably said to you about you know a few of the other people that i've spoken to about this like jazz coleman from um killing joke was very adamant about the fact that when he gets ready to play a show and he's you know he puts on either makeup or ash mm -hmm. and, and puts something on his face that's then again like opening himself up to something yeah um, like another sort of energy for performing how do you feel about that yeah i mean i'm i'm you know i'm with him i think part of the process of getting ready to go on stage is opening yourself up and preparing yourself to try and create you know I don't know if create is the right word, but sort of step into like a different realm of being in this sort of energetic portal with the audience. And, you know, for me, I don't want it to be so much about like people just watching me as hopefully we're having an experience yeah. together, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. When I first started performing, I was, I had such stage fright that I just really covered myself up and wore a Victorian morning veil and, didn't want anyone to see me and I didn't want to make eye contact. But once I got past that and took the the morning veil off, I found that the connection was so much more open and making eye contact with people was really, I don't know, it was like a empowering, I feel like for both of us, like we were in this moment together and, and yeah. maybe that might sound cheesy to someone who doesn't care about music, no, but, but music is like, I mean, not to you, but to someone else, but yeah i mean music is such a powerful connector and conduit and yeah so you do have to prepare yourself for that and for me uh, in more recent years i just try to take some time completely by myself and i'll either just light a candle and focus on the flame and you know there's certain things i might repeat or something just to get myself in an energetic space i feel like i've said the word energy and energetic 500 times i'm sorry but um <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i know uh, to get on stage and yeah just just spending some time alone and gathering my energy back to myself um pulling a tarot card if i feel a little bit like off kilter or like i need some direction um i think tapping into like the archetypes often yeah. helps me get you know focused again or, or feel grounded again if I'm a little bit nervous or a little distracted by all the people that were just backstage or something yeah yeah I think it, it, you saying about making eye contact with people when you're when you're playing and performing is is a it's it is a it's a weird one isn't it because some people can find that so disconcerting because mm -hmm. I don't know I guess a lot of people aren't comfortable being in a in a moment 
know, maybe it's that. Yeah, I mean, it can be intense sometimes, <laughs> you know, obviously. Yeah. The subject matter of a lot of my songs is, you know, facing the shadows of this world and facing the shadows of yourself. So depending yeah. depending on how I'm feeling that night, depending on how the audience is feeling that night, it'll be a different experience, but yeah. Yeah, that's it makes me think as well about, you know, there were all these stories about when Nick Drake first started I think he only ever toured once. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I believe so. And I think that he was so, so shy that he, he played sitting down with his back to the audience. Yeah. I kind of love that. <laughs> it's like whatever you have to do, you know, I, I think it's kind of, I don't know. I used to be kind of hard on myself about how much stage fright I have. But now that I'm older, I, you know, I find it endearing that I just did what I had to do and just sort of covered myself up. It's almost like I was wearing like a, yeah, you know, like a ghost sheet costume over my head or something. Like I just needed to be as invisible as possible. But yeah. That's wild. Yeah. To, I think it, that must be so intense to feel the need to, to, to those two things, which feel so at odds with, with each other, you know, to, to, yeah, to play and, perform and yet at the same time be so racked that that you don't want anyone to see you you just want them to hear the songs that's so intense yeah it was it was difficult for a long time because I, I feel like I've known since I was pretty young that this is what you know I was meant to do and yet it took me such a long time to feel comfortable doing the thing that I was meant to do <laughs> you know like I love being in my writing room and just you know, spending hours in headphones and working on songs, but the part of being on stage and presenting those songs just, yeah, it took a lot of time and a lot of work to feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, it makes me think of Kate Bush as well. Similar kind of situation, I think. Oh, yeah. But, but um, She's the best. Um, actually, <laughs> <laughs> that may, there's another thing. Like, I look back through these notes um, that I did before we did the first one. So I apologize for repeating myself, especially as you've already told me the answer. It sounds kind of really disingenuous to go then. So do you write visually? Um, but <laughs> I always feel like that, yeah, as I said before, that your lyrics have a, such a visual element to them at times that, um, yeah, there's this weird kind of crossover with, with things. Um, not synesthesia, but, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a very visual person um i like to close my eyes a lot when i listen to music and when i write music and i think just yeah at some point i just could sort of like see shapes and colors and cinematic scenes and sometimes it felt like i was like oh. s scoring a scene in my head or something you know yeah well that is synest synesthesia then isn't it that's nuts huh i suppose i've never thought that i had that i felt I, I felt like maybe that was a little more specific like this color means yeah. this and this color tastes like this i don't i don't have that like mm. but yeah I, I would say it's more like shapes and um i don't know like i have that thing where sometimes at night i'll wake up in the middle of the night and i get these sort of like light blooms behind my eyes and they make these like geometric shapes um yeah i'm not sure what it's called but i think 
a fair number of people have that. Yes. And it's sort of, it's sort of like that sometimes when I'm writing or listening to music, like geometric shapes and patterns and things like that. Yeah, it's crazy how that uh, and well, do you have that too? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and the fact the fact that that is so amplified with any kind of psychedelic, it's it's crazy how geometry becomes such an important part of it and but then I guess music is is, you know, I'm not really a fan of looking at it this way, but it, it clearly is mathematics, isn't it? At, to a certain degree. Oof. I yes. would not be the person to ask about that. Math has never been my subject and numbers me scare me. But yeah, <laughs> I suppose there is there is an element to that. I just yeah, I think I like to think of it in more of a, a visual way and less like numbers and counting and things like that. But Yeah, yeah, for sure. It feels like the antithesis of, of anything kind of creative, but I'm sure people can sit down and draw me a chart. <laughs> yeah, and I'm but sure yeah. and I'm sure for certain musicians that that's like a big part of of it and that's almost an art for them, you know? Yeah. But I just don't understand things in that way. Yeah, for sure. I know I'm conscious that my thing is counting down for the amount of time that I've got left and I don't know if that's what's freaking me out. <laughs> Well, thank you again for yeah. doing this. Thanks. It was nice to get to talk to you again. It's nice that this is going to be one of the ones where I've actually got the painting finished as well. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think it turned out okay. Yeah. I like um, But I'm a t I'm a, I liked it. I'm a terrible judge of these things. No, I thought it was super cool. I loved it. Thank you. Oh, that's cool. Good. I always feel, um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if this says a lot about my own personal vanity, but the idea of of drawing other people and portraiture in general can can be super fretful for me because I never want anyone to look at it and go, uh -huh, no, is that how you see me? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So yeah. I think <laughs> if someone reacts that way, it's like, it's more about um, our own insecurities, you know, <laughs> than anything else. And it has nothing to do with yeah. you. But yeah, I think your art is wonderful. And it's, yeah, it's really cool to see that painting i don't know if that was a finished version or not but i already thought it was really great no i i think i wanted to do some more to it but mm -hmm. um like we said it's when something it's knowing when to sort of stop yeah um, yeah that's tough sometimes the number of times i've fully ruined things by just going overboard and thinking oh yeah just do this just do this and i guess it's like anything like songwriting as well but at least yeah. uh, uh, I guess that it's easier to to stop with songwriting or take something off afterwards. But that's what I was going to say. It might be more difficult to fix a overdone painting, but I'm sure there's an art to that as well. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, any kind of creative endeavor, I guess, is quite a fluid thing, isn't it? And it's mm -hmm. kind of can be really slippery at times. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. S slippery is a good word. Yeah, cool. Well, thank All you. Right. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to episode number 41 of Someone Who Isn't Me. Thank you to Chelsea for doing that uh, episode twice over. Again, profuse apologies that it happened that way, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, we could probably do another one at some point in the near future, and I won't screw it up by losing the audio or not having enough space to have a long conversation. 
if you did enjoy that, please go back and listen to any other episodes that you might not have checked out. If you're listening for the first time, for example, there's a ton of stuff you're going to like. And I know that because if you listen to this specifically because it, it was an episode with Chelsea, I guarantee there are artists in the previous episodes, at least two, at least two, that I think you'd really like. But I think they're all worth checking out. I really like doing this podcast, even though I only ever do it once every four or five months, I guess. Um, that's my work rate. Got a lot on, in it? And I made a rod for my own back by deciding that I was going to paint a portrait of every guest that I have on. Uh, the one of Chelsea, I think, came out pretty good, even though I painted over it once or twice. Uh, much like the audio. Like and subscribe, all of that stuff. You can follow the podcast at Swim Podcast on all the socials. You can find me at Daniel P. Carter. You can find Chelsea on all the socials as well. I believe there's several extra consonants in her name uh, if you're trying to find it on the socials. But just search Chelsea Wolf and it will come up. Thanks again. I am out. Peace. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>